0: Welcome friends. This is Historical AF. I'm Kina. I'm Paige. And I'm Megan. We are two fun... No, you're not a history podcast. Whoops. I always say <laughs> tears. I am a historian. No. <laughs> what do I even say? It's only been a week. God damn it. Kina. We are a historian and some special guests delivering you the eerie and historical nuggets you never knew need- needed in your ear holes. This is Space <laughs> History Part 1. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> I know what I'm doing. Jesus Christ! <laughs> like every time I take a week off, I forget how to talk.
1: <laughs> it's fine.
0: Thank you guys so much for joining me. I'm super excited because we've had Megan on the podcast before, but we've never had Paige on. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Whisper is here. Oh, I'm so excited. Although yep. I cheated, I
1: got to meet you first because I was on your guys's podcast. Yeah. Yeah that's yeah. true although i think that episode will come out not till august so significantly after this will come out <laughs> yes. so so it'll kind of feel like so really this is it'll our be first like time we're here. on your podcast first right. but technically <laughs> it's <laughs> so nice
2: to meet you kina <laughs> <laughs>
0: very timey-wimey. me <laughs> is so nice to meet you. So tell everybody a little about yourself.
2: All right. So like Keen already said, I am the second half of the Spooky Science Sisters. And I mean, just a little bit about me, I guess I studied chemistry. So that's kind of the science part of myself. You know, my career, I'm a quality chemist slash environmental health and safety specialist. Growing up, I was always really into scary movies and Halloween and all that fun stuff. And the paranormal kind of just fits right on in there. And so that's how we got here. Megan was like, Hey, let's do this podcast about some creepy stuff. And I was like, yeah, okay. (laughs) Uh, And let's add some science in there.
1: There it is. Yeah. Well, Paige got me hooked on true crime podcasts years ago. And then I was like, no, let's do a paranormal one.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, it's so much fun. I just absolutely love combining that with science. I just dig it so much. Some of these people will believe anything. (laughs) And I cannot get
1: enough of you guys calling that out. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That was kind of my experience with podcasts about, you know, paranormal stuff. Pretty much like told stories, but there was no thought about like, what's actually going on here? (laughs) It's a reasonable thing. And of course, since we started Spooky Science Sisters, we have been in touch with a bunch of other people who do similar things from a skeptical angle. So that's been super fun to connect with them. But yeah. Yeah.
2: Admittedly, I don't think I had listened to but one paranormal podcast until we started this because (laughs) I was like strictly true crime. So this has just introduced me to like a
1: whole new world. (laughs) A whole new blur. It's fine. That's Paige. I can pretty much just be like, hey, are you up for this? And she'll be like, yes, I'll I will try
2: anything at least one time. That's how I ended up here.
1: Now I'm oh, like, hey, you're stuck it. with me.
0: I have noticed just by having so many guests on here that there's always the person that's like, we're going to do a podcast. And then the co-host was like, all right. Just like, yeah. I'm here for the ride. <laughs> sure. two personalities that come together to make the perfect podcast (laughs) it's super fun to have you guys on what has been your favorite paranormal topic that you've covered is there one thing in particular do you like cryptids or aliens you know because this is a space episode
1: (laughs) (laughs) i have really loved the alien stuff that we Have done. I think my favorite stuff though has been talking to people who are skeptics but who also have been involved with the ghost hunting community and doing like debunking of various haunting things and yeah, making them listen to a bunch of like really terrible EVPs and everything. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's been a ton of fun. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) so I love that. That's probably my favorite stuff that we've done. I don't know. What do you think, Paige?
2: I would agree. I think the ghost hunting, some of the ghost hunting stuff has been some of my favorite but I have gotten oddly excited about cryptids like I didn't realize that that was something I was going to get excited about but
0: <laughs> <laughs> surprised
2: <laughs> but I have
1: <laughs> yeah we always say that our scariest episode was the boogeyman episode so yeah Ooh. so if you want to be like creeped out then that's the one.
0: <laughs> oh, I love it yeah I really like cryptids too I think I got really excited whenever I started digging into one's that were where I'm from mm-hmm. and some of the older ones. Cause where I grew up, we have our own river monster and our own Bigfoot and stuff. So it was really cool. Cause when you can look into it through, like, I grew up there. I didn't know that was there. And then, you yeah. know, they built roads and it disappeared, died or something. <laughs> like, that <laughs> makes me sad. And it makes my heart hurt for a cryptid that might not even exist. I'm, I'm so goddamn <laughs> empathetic.
1: <laughs> like, poor Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> Paige and I are on our podcast being like, well, someone needs to kill a Bigfoot because we need to see a body. <laughs>
2: Somebody, but it's not going to be me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, yeah.
0: Yeah. Anyway, good Good time. So this is space. So what are your thoughts on aliens building pyramids? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Uh, We haven't specifically. Well, we've we've addressed it in passing. on the podcast but we haven't like specifically done a big like ancient aliens thing but i mean i think it's a bunch of hot garbage so. That is the correct that is answer. The correct-
0: that is the perfect way to say that.
2: <laughs> hot garbage. Correct. <laughs>
1: <laughs> a bunch of uh, Yeah, it's hot garbage. <laughs>
0: Absolutely. that's the nicest way of putting it <laughs> agreed the rage I feel I'm just like no but yeah I also think it's fun the last time well not the last time the first time you were on here we mm-hmm. talked about oceans and now we're talking space we so I think there's a theme just the vastness of the most terrifying things in existence <laughs> they're sort of scary for similar reasons <laughs> yes and I have a hard time deciding which one I think is scarier I'm kind of on the fence. I think oceans might be more scary since there's so Mm -hmm. much that could eat you that we don't know about. But there's also probably aliens that might want to eat me too. So I don't know. (laughs) Either way, I'm going to die because I do not have the survival skills. (laughs) Just wait till our segment.
2: (laughs) Honestly, though, I think the oceans scare me more because I feel like there's more there's there's a far bigger chance i end up in the middle of the ocean than
1: oh yeah just
2: hanging out in space but mm-hmm. that's just there maybe that's just me <laughs>
1: this, is the, this is the perfect time for me to do a space episode though because my husband and i just got done watching all five seasons of the expanse so <laughs> i'm very excited about space right yeah. now <laughs>
0: why don't we go ahead and do yours first so we can talk about so we don't end on
1: the existential dread
0: that's true yours will probably be more
1: lighthearted, even though you like one little toss we should probably do.
0: yeah it's true (laughs) true. yeah mine will end on more of a well (laughs) a somewhat lighter
1: note okay It does does take a putney turn well we are gonna do the eerie side of things. But also, yeah, like I said, just sort of like mm, uncomfortable, fast. <laughs> I'm ready for it.
0: I am ready. <laughs> yes. Like I said, it's fucking terrifying. I'm also afraid of heights. So I don't think there would be any scenario that I would volunteer to go to space. <laughs> I'm
1: afraid of airplanes. <laughs> so, like, the chances of me getting into <laughs> a spaceship is low, <laughs> <Yeah>. very low. <laughs> I barely want to get on a plane. Yeah. Okay. So, We're going to talk sort of generally about aliens. We're not going to do, we're not really going to do alien abductions, but I felt like we would be remiss if we didn't address the fact that both of us have (laughs) alien abduction stories. What? (laughs) So... (laughs) Just wait. Um, I was like, <laughs> we can't gloss over that. <laughs> so we're right. gonna tell them. That's the first okay. thing. I was like, I feel like we have to tell these before we jump into all the space stuff. So, Paige, do you wanna go first? Yeah, I'll go first. This so, technically isn't Paige. Yeah. This is her husband's alien abduction story.
2: Yeah. So just so we're clear, I do not have a story about being abducted by aliens. <laughs> uh (laughs) so my husband just so we're clear he doesn't seem to really think he was abducted by aliens this is just this is what happened that he can't seem to explain
1: similarly to mine it was very influenced by watching a lot of (laughs) x-files yeah yeah (laughs) he also
2: really loved (laughs) Uh,
1: x-files so
2: here we go. My husband was a high school age at the time. I don't don't know the exact year. I, I have notes about this, so I don't know that I'll be able to answer a ton of questions. but he was <laughs> asleep, which I did note was very convenient for the aliens because like ev- <laughs> every alien abduction story, it's like, oh, I was sleeping when? And he wakes up from his sleep. And he says he's abnormally cold and he sees a floodlight through the windows. He did mention there being a paralyzing fear where he was frozen and felt like he was laying that way for hours. He <laughs> mentioned that the floodlight that he saw was coming through multiple directions. And it's important to note. So his the room that he was in at the time was in the, the corner of the house. So he had windows on both. Like if you walked in the door, there were windows in front of you. There was a window to your left and there was a window to your right. So he was surrounded by windows. So when he was finally able to move, he said the lights were gone, but all of the sheets and blankets were off of the bed on the other side of the room. All of the screens on the windows were removed and all the windows were closed and locked. So like the screens had been removed from the outside and everything had been closed and locked back up. I mean, the base. That's like the. That's pretty much the story. He did say that he didn't remember any little green men, no <laughs> figures. He mostly just remembered being very uncomfortable and having that paralyzing fear. And he also did mention that he's never suffered, or he at least like has never been diagnosed with like you know sleep apnea. He's never suffered from sleep paralysis. He's never been known to sleepwalk. I've been with him for ten years, and I can tell you, I've never seen any of those things happen. So. That's the story.
0: <laughs> wow, that was gonna be my my question: sleep paralysis. But wow, I mean, it
1: pretty cla Like we've done an alien abduction episode, and it pretty classically sounds like it was like a sleep paralysis yeah. episode.
2: It definitely and, like, does. Yeah, and, like maybe and, like, it was like a one-time thing.
1: Yeah, and that there are a lot of alien abduction stories that are very similar that are like it's sleep paralysis. <laughs> so, um, here's my <laughs> hypothesis because we were very glued into all oh, the screens were off the windows and I was like okay here is my thought I think it's night time and Elliot is sleeping and his mother is like me maybe where she like gets an idea in her head no matter what time of night it is and it's like you know what I'm gonna do I'm gonna take the screens off and I'm gonna clean the windows <laughs> the <outside. laughs> and so she goes outside and like turns on her headlights on her car and like goes around and does this but it sort of half wakes Elliot up and he thinks like i'm getting abducted
0: you know that that checks out because one time my mom was on some new medication or something and she woke <laughs> me and my sister up with a flashlight she was in her closets cleaning at like oh three in gosh. the morning so i mean well, that sounds normal to me How <laughs> <they> know? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah i mean alternatively at some point during the day she had taken the screens yes. off and he just didn't mm-hmm. notice no, didn't yeah. notice
1: yeah, yeah. why and, would you notice you right, know? right right yeah until something weird happened and then it was mm. like oh that's bizarre okay so that is aliens
0: <laughs> that <laughs> does sound like almost every alien reenactment from the 90s early 2000s show ever yeah, You know, because I always yeah. see people in bed and the light flashes, but usually see, like, the black outline of the alien walking towards yeah. you. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I really felt, so, like, from the amount that I saw that on TV, I thought that was a real threat for a
1: long time. I was just yeah.
0: sure I was going to see an alien or something. Yeah,
1: well, that informs my story, so. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so this is actually Megan's This story.
1: is actually me, <laughs> <laughs> which I fully know that, like, it was not. <laughs> But it was seventh grade and we were visiting my aunt and uncle and I was stuck sleeping on their couch in their living room because, you know, they just didn't have enough guest rooms for their kids, plus my parents, plus everybody else. And I must have been like, I was either up late reading or I was, I don't know, I up late watching TV or something. That's the part that's blurry. Like, was I asleep when this happened or was I was like about to fall asleep? Either way, I see like you see like headlights pass in front of your house through the windows. So I like saw something like that and heard sort of a weird noise, and then heard something fly over the house. And their house butted up to a cornfield at that time, so this thing flies way out over the cornfield, and to me it seemed like it happened so fast, and so I was like already sort of freaked out, and. Then whatever this thing was, shines this super bright light back into the house through their sliding door and all the windows in the back of the house. And they had this neighbor dog who used to like come over to their house and just like sit on their porch all the time (laughs) named Patsy. Um, (laughs) and, And so Patsy, this light shines and she freaks out and is like, you know, jumping up on the window and crying and then runs a bolts away. And I'm just sitting there like, holy shit, I'm about to be abducted, like the fucking (laughs) (laughs) X-Files. Like, that's what is happening right now. And then whatever it was, the light went away, it flew off. And I was totally freaked out, freaked out enough that I woke my mom up. And I was like, I think I just saw aliens. (laughs) What did she say? What did she say? And so she came out like because she could tell that I was actually scared of whatever had happened. And we listened for a while and kind of saw some more lights pass near the house. And it did like at that point, it definitely sounded like there was a helicopter in the area. So It must have been that it was a helicopter searching for someone or something. I don't know if at the time they had stuff that could sense heat or they saw the dog on whatever sensors they had or video they had. And, you know, shined the light back at the house to make sure it wasn't whatever they were looking for, which is potentially scarier. But (laughs) but yeah. Was it by chance close to a prison? Cause where I'm from, we had
0: a prison and sometimes they'd get out and they would do that.
1: <laughs> I don't think that they're near any big prison complexes. So I don't know for sure, but yeah. But again though, like if it if it was some sort of like escaped criminal, it's like or <laughs> Bigfoot. <laughs> or Bigfoot. <laughs> but neither- Neither Patsy or I appreciated the experience.
0: I absolutely love that your first thought was like, I'm about to get X-filed.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was pretty sure <laughs> that was what was happening. Okay, that is our very long introduction into talking about aliens.
0: <laughs> that is incredible. I thought aliens was going to be more of an issue in mm-hmm. the 90s because Mm -hmm. of X-Files and I didn't Mm -hmm. but my mom actually had a couple experiences of just seeing things in the middle of nowhere Arkansas which again why would aliens be there but that's a whole other thing. She would would say they would see him like zip up to the mountain near where all the radio uh, towers were and then oh. it would take off and then you would see like military jets chasing it but they couldn't catch it and she said that happened several times and I'm like well that's kind of creepy but that's
1: like an amazing story <laughs> yeah but like
0: why Arkansas why <laughs> North Arkansas there's literally no one there so.
1: <laughs> unclear Yeah,
0: <laughs> my town had 416 people in it why you know you could go to Paris aliens why would you go to freaking <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> so Paige, do you want to jump into to aliens in and yeah. space? <laughs> yeah,
2: the first thing we we a couple of things we kind of wanted to cover, I guess, before we like really jump into, I guess, some of like the more eerie topics. And the first thing is that we we want to make this distinction that UFOs do not equal aliens. Mm. We. <laughs> we know that UFOs exist. There are plenty of things that have been seen in the sky that we cannot or have not identified. However, that does not mean that we think aliens are coming here and visiting us using these said UFOs. So... There are some legitimate scientific enterprises that have or that are looking into are looking for the existence of aliens. The first one, and we'll touch on this one a little bit more as we go through this, but the first one's SETI or search for extraterrestrial extraterrestrial intelligence. (laughs) Uh, um, And this is a nonprofit that's made up of three centers that are focused on the study of life in the universe, astronomy, and astrobiology. And then there's the public outreach center. Like I said, we'll talk more about them throughout this. But before we do that, we wanted to give an honorable mention to Skyhub. We actually spoke with the Chair of their science advisory board on one of our episodes. And this project is really cool. It's described as a citizen science effort used to analyze objects in the sky. And they utilize a microcomputer, sensors, and a software that's free to everybody. And you can build a tracker. And then it tracks what's in the sky. So anything like a bird, a plane, any other objects, whether it's a UFO, any of that. And literally anybody can put one together and set it up
1: in their backyard. Just budding in. Sorry, Paige. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, the idea with it is like it's not necessarily like the whole purpose isn't to look for UFOs. It's just to track what's in the sky. The technology itself is like the, you know, the sensors and the the setup to to track stuff, but also like the machine learning algorithm or whatever that they are employing. They've, you know, said like, oh, people could set it up for bird watching or whatever. But like, yes, one of the things it could do technically is, yeah, identify UFOs. So oh, it's you know. really cool. <laughs> super cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I also wanted to butt in and say that SETI and SkyHub are not the only two organizations that like are looking into the existence of aliens but they're the only two that we've really found that go about it in a reasonably scientific way (laughs) right
2: so most of the scientific effort in the field is going towards understanding the origins of life on our own planet and specifically organisms that can't transmit any sort of signal or do any sort of interstellar travel this includes things like microbes and extremophiles we want to understand how life started on earth first so we know what signatures to look for on other planets and as this would be you know most likely the type of life that we would find
0: mm-hmm.
1: Very sciencey, so I'm sorry, Kina. Um, no, I love science. <laughs> yeah. So, the whole point being, why we mention UFOs and you know tell our silly stories? It's unlikely if you're thinking about aliens in space that UFOs are going to be how we find aliens. Most likely, we find a microorganism on another planet or on a moon. More likely some entail the intelligent 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 alien aliens <laughs> the that hills have great. transferred to you <laughs> more likely an intelligent alien civilization that had advanced technology would take the safer and faster route of reaching out to us by sending some sort of radio signal so, oh my god <laughs> i can't <laughs> I can't.
2: Well, at least I'm not the only one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I can't. sending. I have such good notes written out and I'm just like, a disaster. <laughs> Why? Okay. was <laughs> the story of my life. <laughs> a radio signal before they would take some sort of risk of visiting us. And I mean, really, radio signals are what SETI is scanning for Mm -hmm. as sort of the main focus of their research. So, a little bit about radio history. (laughs) Yes. So, yeah. So, radio has been around for a while, but it's a very simple technology and radio waves travel at the speed of light. So, that makes it easy to communicate over large distances. So, if you're talking about you know, the most likely form of interstellar alien communication, that's probably what it's going to be. That said, in all of human history, we've had radio communication for about a hundred years. And for, I mean, a while now, it's becoming less and less prevalent as we rely on other forms of long distance communication. So point being, there may be Alien civilizations that used to communicate by radio like us, but did so a long time ago. And because of that, we'd never hear from them. Like we just, there are no radio signals that they're sending out anymore. So, meaning our chance of hearing a stray radio signal that escaped into space or even having one broadcasted is low. And because we don't use radio as much anymore, other civilizations might not hear us either so it's like a weird it's weird <laughs> no
0: that makes perfect it sense me I, out. i've never thought of it but yeah it makes perfect sense yeah what well, yeah. was that movie contact that's what happened they sent
1: the radio thing but yeah, yeah. you're right when
0: nobody uses that anymore And if we don't use it then somebody way more advanced than us obviously doesn't either
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And if you think about human technology, a lot of people will say like, oh, and we have flight. Like that's sort of the beginning of like modern technology. And that's only been like a little over a 100 years. You're a historian. (laughs) A little over a 100 years. So it's like that's sort of the start of real technology. And obviously, like we've come super far since then. Mm -hmm. But you give another civilization... 10,000 more years or a million more years and what they're doing might not even seem like anything (laughs) like what we're doing anymore. So anyway, (laughs) the other thing about radio waves and finding aliens is that the sun and stars and planets all emit radio waves naturally. So SETI who are scanning for extraterrestrial signals have to filter through a ton of noise, and I thought it was super fascinating <laughs> that ten percent, ten to twenty percent of the static that you hear on just like a a blank radio station, or yeah, part of the dial where there's no station, is actually cosmic noise. That's also one of my favorite. <laughs> Yeah, which is so cool. (laughs) Part of what you're hearing is just space noise, (laughs) which is awesome. (laughs) And the other thing about SETI finding aliens is like, okay, well, they have to have their telescopes pointed in the right direction at the right time. Mm -hmm. So the search for aliens is difficult. (laughs) Tedious. (laughs) For a lot of reasons. (laughs) (laughs) Movies
0: make it sound so simple they do don't they they yeah. just
2: show up <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah they just show up and it's like hey <laughs>
2: <laughs> something else very eerie about space is how gigantic it is and like megan says it literally hurts her brain <laughs> freaks are out big. Uh, Mm -hmm. So the closest star to our sun, which is Proxima Centauri is four light years away, meaning light takes four years to reach us. And even our fastest spacecraft would take more than 70,000 years to get there. The universe has been around for 14 billion years. It's old. And you had put on here i think that there are over a billion trillion stars and i had read that it could be up to one trillion trillion stars which would be a one followed by 24 zeros that is so many stars
0: that is so many stars to even comprehend
2: Uh, right right yeah i had to look up what that number i mean i i had to actually see the number and then think
1: like (laughs) i mean it is it it is eerie (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. It's just like I can't I can't I can't think about how big that is. Like it just right. it's upsetting. And like <laughs> the other upsetting. thing <laughs> the other thing that really freaks me out is like the fact that everything's moving away from everything else, like the universe is expanding and I just I really worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Which makes no sense. But I do. As it
2: keep you, does it keep you up at night?
1: Sometimes. <laughs> That's why you can't think about it. You'll exactly. never sleep again. But it really makes me uncomfortable.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so I am very excited about this part. So <laughs> scientists have proposed that things like weird dimming of a star or an interstellar asteroid could be attributed to aliens and so (laughs) there's one particular star and i looked up how to pronounce it It, she says boyajan uh star or also known as tabby star which is easier to say tabby star
1: (laughs) (laughs) like
2: the cat (laughs) yes mysteriously and sporadically dimmed and it was discovered well it was found initially by a planet hunting kepler space telescope they have several i guess like different times where they've seen it dim once in 2009 they saw it again in 2011 and, and yet again in 2013 but it was actually a group of citizen scientists that they called the planet hunters who actually like looked at the data and actually discovered... Planet hunters! know, <laughs> plan- right? <laughs> Jealous that I'm not a part of that group. <laughs> not that I'm at all qualified, but like... Zero percent. I want to be a planet, I be a planet hunter.
1: We'll um, definitely make t-shirts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're the ones
2: who actually discovered that this like weird dimming had happened, and it normal to see like some regular dips or some regular dimming and it's specifically common to see it based off of like where the telescope is located if planets pass by a star, yeah. then it would, you know, dip during that time. But this particular star was dipping, and if you look at like the the graph trends they have, it's like very different than all the other ones. It's kind of all over the place, so it didn't match what the normal dips or the normal um, dimming would look like. So there's a couple different things they think think it could be, could be disks of g- gas and dust, debris, comet swarms, black holes. But they said that there is a possibility that it could reflect activities of of an advanced alien civilization, like a Dyson sphere to harvest solar energy, which I just think is the
1: coolest thing. (laughs) Yeah, and that's kind of one of those ones when we talked about it where I was like, oh, they must have figured out that this was not aliens. And, you know, it is sort of unlikely, but one of those things where they haven't ruled it out yet, right?
2: Right, right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So... Couldn't tell you what a Dyson sphere is or how it works, but
2: it's basically um. like a solar panel. The idea is that it's like built around a star and just like,
1: yeah, I think I mean, all the stories about right? it are like alien megastructures. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, that's awesome, but <laughs> I don't know. Okay. So, my other thing so that's one of the possible alien things out there in the world. One of the other ones that was big uh, in sort of recent history was that in 2017, the first interstellar object, which at the time they thought was an asteroid, was discovered by something called the Pan Starrs Survey, which is a project where they're looking for near Earth objects. So basically, they're they're trying to protect us from getting struck by an asteroid. <laughs> So well, that should been a great job. Yeah, I'm yeah. very there's happy another with freaky <laughs> thing about space. It can hurl <laughs> rocks at the earth. And God.
0: like that thing that they didn't know where it was gonna land. Like I yeah. was yeah, really. Oh concerned. yeah, we could have talked
1: about that for sure. Yeah, I mean, things are falling out of space from people, mm-hmm. things might just fall out of space. From, from space from space
0: <laughs> so, some space people are so casual like yeah it's gonna get
1: super close
0: to earth but we're like fine i'm like are we we're <laughs> like you know the ones how many times it goes between satellites and earth yeah. i'm like that's yeah. really close i don't i don't yeah. see how casual you can be yeah
1: i know mm. i know it's as trusting
0: orbit and it pulls too much because what if i know one time is get
1: a little off and then it's having an off
0: day and we all blow up like the dinosaurs not good
1: Mm -mm. yeah it's not good but this object is super cool they called it a mua mua which i love (laughs) which i forget what that uh means in because it's a hawaiian Mm -hmm. name and i forget what it means but so it was weird, though. So this is an, an interstellar means like this is the first thing from another solar system that has oh, passed wow. through ours that they've been able to observe, which is super fucking cool. I'm sorry, am not allowed to swear? I don't remember. Um, yes, it's in the title. It is. In <laughs> oh, her. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so it's super cool. And it had a few unusual characteristics. So. Its speed was sort of weird, the trajectory that it was on, its shape. Like, initially, they were like, oh, it's kind of this, like, cigar-shaped object, but, like, now they think it's more like a pancake, (laughs) which I love. And... Its surface was, they think, that it's unusually shiny. So, like, one of the initial ideas of, like, what this could be was that it could be some sort of interstellar alien light sail that's propelled by solar radiation. (laughs) Like, what? What? Like, basically, (laughs) aliens were like, we're just going to send a little probe, like, through this other solar system and see what's up down there. So... Freaky, but don't freak out too much because recent data suggests that what it actually is is a little piece of a Pluto-like outer planet that is probably being – it's like why it has the weird motion and stuff. It's probably being propelled by gas from melting ice on one side or the other. Like, it's still – sort of weird to think of an object from another solar system passed through ours and in a weird way so yeah
0: (laughs) well that's super weird because what if there was an organism or something that thought out when it got into our solar system and
1: threw everything off like there's a balance oh we could go down a whole other rabbit hole of like yeah the idea that life on earth started because of Uh, What's it called? It's called the something hypothesis. That's not helpful to you guys at all. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea what it's called. But yeah, the idea that there was like an asteroid or something that hit Earth that had some microscopic life form on it, that then that's what evolved to, you know, become us so we don't know. Okay. (laughs) Too big. Too, too many things. Too (laughs) Too big. Too many things. Existential dread. Uh, Okay. So the Kepler satellite that Paige mentioned, which is, it's out there orbiting Earth, and I think the idea is that it's just, we're looking for other habitable planets. And it revealed that about 25% Of All of the stars in the Milky Way, so our galaxy, have a habitable planet that's about the size of Earth with the potential to have liquid water on the surface and the potential to have the chemistry to support life as we know it. Mm -hmm. So point being, talking about aliens, we're talking about weird space stuff, it's just so unlikely that in the whole universe, which is enormous (laughs) and brain hurtingly large... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not a phrase but i'm making it up that earth is completely unique and that there's no other intelligent life out there so the drake equation is a formula that was proposed
2: in 1961 by astronomer frank drake frank drake that's frank- a large one <laughs> frank- it is frank drake hence why it's called the drake equation um that (laughs) estimates the number of detectable civilizations in the milky way at any given time detectable meaning intelligent and with the technology that they could communicate with us in june 2020 they use this equation and say that there's likely somewhere between four and 211 civilizations. (laughs) And it's a, it's a big range in the the Milky way that, that are capable of communicating with each other. But they say that it's likely that the lower limit of that is 36. So really there could be four to 211, but there's (laughs) likely at least 36.
1: Yeah. And I thought it, it tickled me a little bit that to put it in percentages from a 2018 estimate that means that there's a 53 to 99.6 (laughs) percent chance that we're alone in this galaxy we're the only ones with life and a 39 to 85 percent chance that we're alone in the universe which is also freaky and scary (laughs) yeah i think it's actually scarier to think that yeah
2: there's a chance that we could be alone yeah yeah, yeah, it's weird. It, yeah, I mean, it's so <laughs> unlikely, but that there's any chance at all that we could be alone freaks me out more than. Yeah,
1: yeah it like that. Does, there's huh? nothing out there. Yeah. It's like, well, what oh. are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> why are we here? <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> I, don't, I don't like that. I don't like that at all. I, no, I, mean, I told you that it was going to get uncomfortable.
0: But also, June 2020, they saw the year that 2020 was and thought, hey, let's make this alien equation. Let's see what's up with that. Like, why, why are yeah. they.
1: The oh, equation's no. been around since 1961. Oh, okay. yeah. they, they just th- they just used okay. it again
2: in
0: 2020. Yeah. Okay. It just seems yeah. like tempting the fates. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Really. Being like, eh, there's pretty low chance that there's aliens in this galaxy, and like saying that in 2020, and then they like roll up, like <laughs> up. in, in a state style, <laughs> blow you up. Mm-hmm. That's exactly how it would go. Fate. Um, <laughs> okay. Okay, so on the other side of this is something called the Fermi Paradox or Fermi Paradox. I'm not 100% sure how to pronounce it. But the story goes that a physicist at Los Alamos National Lab, which is, I guess, side history fact, is where they made the atomic bomb that they dropped on Japan. So that's where the Manhattan Project was. But anyway, (laughs) a physicist there named... Enrico Fermi was having lunch with his colleagues one day, and he exclaimed, where is everybody? (laughs) Referring to the lack of evidence for life elsewhere in the universe. So they named this paradox after him, the Fermi paradox, which is that there's a high probability that life exists elsewhere in the universe. Unlikely that we're You know, unique, including many intelligent civilizations. So he wonders, like, where are they? Like, why haven't we heard from any of them? (laughs) Because, like, we were talking about before, some of them must be much further along than we are technology wise. So, like, you'd Mm -hmm. think that they would be able to get in touch with us. So, again, one answer could be that we're looking for radio waves primarily and we're just not hearing them because. People aren't putting them out anymore. People, And when I say people, I mean aliens. Um, <laughs> yes. so, so it doesn't make any sense.
0: The little finger uh, quotes when you're like, people.
1: Another <laughs> <laughs> uh, idea that I came across today, which makes me... Very uncomfortable. I'm so excited about this one. <laughs> no, <laughs> no one, should, <laughs> no one should be excited. So, so this is the idea of the dark forest. Oh no, I don't. <laughs> it's, it's not great. Okay, so this was an idea regarding the Fermi paradox that was proposed in a sci-fi novel called The Dark Forest, and it suggests that. Any intelligent civilization that makes itself known broadly, like to other civilizations, is always wiped out by another. That there's some other civilization that's going around and wiping the others out. And that many may be staying silent for the fear of being wiped out themselves. So, like, basically, we're all competing for the same resources. So, it makes sense that if you have the power to go, like, Get rid of one of these other civilizations, then, great—you get what they have.
0: <laughs> what kind of monster puts that out into the? I mean, it makes sense, though. It does. Yeah. Like, what is it? Is it Star Trek? Isn't that one of the thing? Like the no, one of those dystopian or sci-fi thing. There's yeah.
1: I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure there's something. Yeah. But yeah, so a, a quote from the book, which is. Freaky says, the universe is a dark forest. Every civilization is an armed hunter stalking through the trees like a ghost, gently pushing aside branches that block the path and trying to tread without sound. Even breathing is done with care. The hunter has to be careful because everywhere in the forest are stealthy hunters like him. If he finds other life, another hunter, an angel or a demon... A delicate infant or a tottering old man, a fairy or demigod, there's only one thing he can do, open fire and eliminate them. In this forest, hell is other people, an eternal threat that any life that exposes its own existence will be swiftly wiped out. This is the picture of cosmic civilization. It's the explanation for the Fermi Paradox.
0: Oh, I don't like that. (laughs)
1: I guess it
2: just feels like right to me, though.
1: Yeah, it's the it's the cynical view of like we're not hearing from anybody because everyone's like, no, shh, <laughs> shut up, you guys.
0: <laughs> so my hey
1: God, man. that got dark.
0: Like we're in hell.
1: <laughs> 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 so I told you that you know, <laughs> and then I'm gonna leave you with another. Uh, my my final note. <laughs> Oh, good. We'll be on appreciating (laughs)
0: life
1: on Earth, but in a sad way. (laughs) So this is a Carl Sagan quote from his 1990 Pale Blue Dot speech. and He says, in all this vastness, there is no hint that help will come from elsewhere to save us from ourselves. The Earth is the only world known so far to harbor life. The Earth is where we make our stand.
0: (laughs) Oh, good. A nice swift reminder of global warming.
1: <laughs> that Sorry. People are garbage. <laughs> oh. Oh yeah. I, ch- I told you it was gonna get really dark. I feel so much anxiety. <laughs> oh. Kina's like, why? Why did I invite them on here again? <laughs> Yay, science. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> science uh, maybe i'm the
2: messed up one by just thinking this is like cool and exciting and, like, and not- just like yeah.
0: i'm
1: like this is great
0: i mean i guess it's likely that we will survive our lifetimes but right yes. yeah. yeah i mean that's that's a plus <laughs> yeah <laughs> Maybe a few generations down the line, if you stumble upon this podcast, be like, fuck you guys. <laughs> like, <laughs> I no longer have clean drinking
1: water because you guys Aww. are
0: disgusting. <laughs> uh.
1: Yeah. So, anyway, you know, space is really big and freaky. And there are a lot of weird ideas that have been proposed over time about what's going on out there. So, it's true.
0: it is enormous. And like I yeah. said, it is brain-shattering to try to grasp how large it is. Even just our solar system and right. our galaxy is just so hard right. to comprehend. I can't even... It's like that scene in Men in Black where we're like a marble in the pocket of that alien yes. in that locker. Like I think about that all the
1: time. Yeah. I think about that a lot too and I think like, you know, that could be right.
0: It makes sense to me.
1: Men <laughs> in Black makes so much sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Obviously. Yeah. I'm unclear yeah. how much of that was history and how much was science, but we're here.
0: Do you ever think <laughs> that what if sci fi, like books and movies, what if it's the truth, but they put it out there like it's not the truth so that we know? Oh, I thought about this. Contemplate it that it's real.
1: Yeah. I've, that yeah. is me.
0: That's what I think about.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, here, I mean, that's the thing is like what we've learned about all of the different vampire and werewolf and all these stories throughout time it's a reflection of whatever you know society is worrying about at the time so mm-hmm. so you know That's makes sense True, that is very <laughs>
0: true. yeah because things like the um oh, seances and all that stuff always mm-hmm. corresponds with wars and when people are dying because people yeah contact. yeah a lot of a lot of things we don't understand do kind of correlate with. But I also think it's funny. I saw people talking about the whole alien thing because everything that's being released by the government being like, hey, you know, things are out there. And I remember in the 90s when technology was advancing so quickly everybody was like that's not we didn't make that that's totally aliens like the stealth bomber Mm -hmm. i know the first time i actually saw one, my mom was like that's fucking alien (laughs) (laughs) no way we came up with that they stole that from an alien yeah and i just remember being like you're you know you're making alien shit and now they're like no it's aliens and everybody is like no you're making weapons so it's done like a complete 180 and i just find it hilarious that now i'm Mm -hmm. living that i'm old enough to see two generations of thought
1: yeah 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 Yeah.
0: also by that like i don't know i am on team the universe is so mind-numbingly large there's got to be something right and then sometimes i'm like are we really smart enough to come with come up with a lot of this technology that just showed up so fast like, from the 60s on, it was, like, lightning speed, the things we were mm-hmm. developing. And I'm mm-hmm. like, mm,
1: did we really come up with that? Yeah. I don't know. Give us some credit.
0: <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm just so – after this pandemic, I have no faith in humanity.
1: <laughs> <laughs> also uh. fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we've we've joked around before that it's like if aliens showed up now I'd just be like, yeah, all right. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's time. What just take us with you. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you've got planned for us, like probably better. What's what's going on?
0: What are your thoughts on area 51?
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I had heard and I feel like I haven't reconfirmed this for myself and I can't remember yeah, which thing I was listening to So this is not sourced. This is me trying to remember things that I listened to a while ago, but that most of the area 51 stuff was, they were trying to send up weather balloons as a way to like, they were trying, I mean, it was going into the cold war during the cold war, but they were like trying to do it from like a spy capacity. Mm -hmm. And People kept finding these weather balloons and they're trying to develop new technology to like spy on other countries. And the military was pretty much just like, no, we just want you guys to think that it's aliens because we don't want you to bother us like about any of the spy stuff that we're trying to do.
0: <laughs> I mean, that makes perfect sense. Throw everybody off your probably illegal spy shit by being right. like aliens. oh yeah yeah. conspiracies think about (laughs) that for a while
1: yeah i mean (laughs) yeah like i had heard that it's it's basically a misdirection technique but yeah
2: i figure there's definitely something going on there that like we will probably never know about and may never want to know about but like i don't think it's alien related
1: (laughs) yeah
0: i i I agree there's probably something because that base is like super locked down like normally people have access if you have military IDs you can get on a lot of bases but that's one right. of the ones that I don't think they would allow you on unless you work there. I'm pretty right. sure I remember seeing yeah. a lot of that. So there's probably something shady there. I don't. There you go. I don't think it's like again you know uh, Independence Day where they have a giant ship under there. But, <laughs> you know, I Sometimes I think it's fun because like I said like the still bomber to me looks like a freaking alien ship. I'm oh like, for where sure. Did come up with that? But,
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. well, and there's so much about the stuff, you know, going on right now of Mm -hmm. them saying that they're seeing various uh, UFOs, or now they call them Mm -hmm. UAPs, but like, whatever. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I've seen a lot of those get debunked, and uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I guess I think it's probably technology coming from Earth, and that makes it scarier. <laughs> it's like, what do these other countries have going on that we don't? So,
0: Oh, yeah. That's yeah. also terrifying, all the things that we're hide- hiding in bunkers. To, right. And then what everybody else is doing to try to one-up the things they think we have in our right. bunker. Yeah. But that gets that gets scary. But speaking yeah. of the Cold War.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that Russia, was a great segue. It was into russian s- well i have no idea what we're going to talk about i'm very <laughs> excited though
0: all right so have you ever heard of valentina Tereshkova? Nope.
1: Uh, no i <laughs> know
0: okay i consider myself a fairly knowledgeable space nerd i will never miss an opportunity to go to a space center or an exhibit or watch a show because again i'm terrified but intrigued you know i love mm-hmm, space hmm mm-hmm. I was so shocked that I didn't know who this was. And I heard about her on freaking Orange is the New Black. Not in history class mm-hmm. with my three history degrees. No. Orange is the New Black. So picture it. Season three. Watching it. And somebody asked Red if she believes in anything. And she says, quote, Valentina Vladimir Rov. Oh, God. I'm going to skip that word because I didn't practice <laughs> the middle name. Valentina Tereskova. Her father drove a tractor, her mother worked in a textile plant, and she went up to outer space in a rocket ship, end quote. And that was it. And I was like, what? Is that a real person? And I went to the Google machine and I was like, oh my God, mind blown. And then I had to keep this to myself because the podcast, I couldn't tell everybody about it because then it would (laughs) ruin (laughs) the surprise. So I've been suffering in silence until now. Right. (laughs) And now I get to bless you all with all my knowledge. Yay. (laughs) Yay. (laughs) So not only did she go to space, she actually went two decades before Sally Ride. To put that in perspective. And my best guess as to why she's not a household name in the United States, you know, is because she's Russian and this all happened in the Cold War and the space race. Yeah. I'm assuming we just were purposely not taught about her. Yeah. Because, you know, I've just thought Sally Ride, first woman. Like, I don't know. Yeah, right. Yeah. Nope. That's not the case. (laughs) All right. So enough blabbing about what I don't know. And I'm going to blab about what I do know. And again, (laughs) I apologize for my lack of Russian language skills. I'm gonna do my best. <laughs> so Valentina Tershkova was born on March sixth, nineteen thirty-seven in the village of Bolshoi Maslinikovo, I think, near Yaroslavl, Russia. Okay. Sounds right. <laughs> All right.
1: <laughs> and I <that's>, believe
0: it. <laughs> and that's 170 miles, which is 277 kilometers northeast of Moscow, to give you kind of a mental picture of where we're at. Okay. And just like Orange is the New Black said, her dad was a tractor driver before enlisting in the Red Army. He was killed fighting the Nazis during World War II, though, which left her mother to raise her and her two siblings alone as a textile worker. And mm-hmm. Valentina was just three when her dad died. So a little sad start. Yeah. And then because of turmoil and her mother being a single mother, she wasn't able to start school until she was eight. So that was about 1945. And then because of war and just general shitty circumstances, she had to withdraw again at 16 and start working at first a car tire factory. And then she joined her mom with the textile plant. But she also figured out a way. They didn't have a lot of money, but they made just enough for her to finish her education through correspondence courses and night classes. So she actually did get a degree. Mm-hmm. And then in 1959, she falls in love, and not with a man, with parachuting. Oh, oh. took a turn, huh? Yeah, <laughs> didn't see that one coming. <laughs> So during the Cold War, the government decided to promote this as a sport to all young people to prepare them for their next big war. It was actually kind of brilliant. They popped up these little parachuting clubs all over Russia. Yeah. Which is ever- like, totally
1: a thing in Russia, by the way, during that time, because that's mm-hmm. part of the whole, I mean, other spooky history thing, the DLF pass incident stuff is like they are going out to get some sort of certification. Like we're super awesome at hiking. So mm-hmm. I don't know. They wanted yeah. them to be like extreme. Yeah. So.
0: And it was a way of being like, this is a hobby, but we're also kind of training you to be awesome soldiers. And yes, yeah. it's very subtle and it worked. So, yes. By 1961, she had parachuted more than 125 aircrafts. So she was just nailing it and she was getting really good at it. But she also was keeping a secret from her mom. Oh, my gosh. Imagine being like a parachuter all the time and be like, where are you going? Not- Don't worry about it. (laughs) I'm being safe. I promise. My mom would would have a heart attack.
1: Yeah, that's one of my uh, no-nos for my husband. He would like love to go skydiving. And I'm like, no. Yeah. (laughs) Not allowed. Well, it's funny
0: because my first date with my husband, we talked about it and I was 28. So I was still kind of like somewhat adventurous, but I was also trying to impress him. So I'm like, yeah, I mm-hmm. was skydiving <laughs> like 10 years later. I'm like, fuck that. <laughs> I, I value my life. My self-preservation has increased dramatically. <laughs> not doing it. No. <laughs> but he did it before he met me. So it's fine. He's got his experience. There I just, I have too much anxiety. I, nope, nope, nope. So, meanwhile, in Russia, the first two cosmonauts, Yuri Gagarin and German Titov, have been recruited by Nikolai Karmanin and Gagarin. L- l- <laughs> <laughs> so many words. Okay, Gagarin <laughs> actually took the mantle of being the first human to be in space on April 12th, yeah. 1961. And fun fact, cosmonaut came up two Greek words, space and sailor. So it means space sailor.
1: There you go. What?
0: <laughs> so adorable i don't know why i thought that. that was is kind of cute <laughs> space sailor space.
1: yeah astro is star right i think so astronaut yeah fun
0: so when they got back they traveled around the world and they're flexing like hey i've been to space you haven't huh and then he noticed that everywhere they went, the press was asking, so when are you gonna send a woman to space? And he was like, light bulb, we gotta get the women up in the space. So their idea, because Russia's really big on the propaganda and it's Cold War. And so they were like, Well, let's get a woman in space before the US even gets a man. That'll show them. So <laughs> here launches the first idea of having the first female flight. Dinner time. Puppies! <laughs> And the U.S. had already made a super hard pass at the idea of having a woman in space. So not so fun fact. And this is so fucked up. (laughs) A grade school student, Linda Halpern, wrote a letter asking President Kennedy how she could become an astronaut. A little child being like, I want to go to the moon. Tell me, Mr. President, how can I do that? And then NASA crushed her little soul. And I have the actual letter here blow this up. Okay. Oh no! It's like fuck you, NASA. Jesus. Okay. Uh, Says, dear Ms. Halpern, President Kennedy has asked this office to thank you for your recent letter. Your willingness to serve your country as a volunteer woman astronaut is commendable. However, while many women are employed in the capacities in the space program, some of them in extremely important scientific posts. We have no present plans to employ women on space flights because of their degree of scientific and flight training and the physical characteristics which are required. We appreciate your interest in and the support of the nation's space program. Sincerely, O.B. Lloyd Jr., Director of the Public Services and Information. Wow. So, essentially you're a girl. No. Yeah. Sorry
1: yeah uh, two like, big
0: children i know john glenn testified before congress in favor of excluding women entirely <sighs> from the space program well, of course. saying are you serious Whoa. yes he said quote men go off and fight the wars and fly the planes women stay at home it's a fact of
1: social order uh something i never thought <laughs> i would say is fuck you john glenn <laughs> right <laughs>
0: Testified. i don't care if you right. are a
1: national hero that's fucking shitty yeah
0: i know that really uh it made me a little angry too yeah like, not great how much energy is it to shit on women but also to take time out of your busy schedule as the first yeah. astronaut to go to congress to be like no we should never let women do that that's not a good idea
1: not great it Just
0: seems really rude and i don't like it
1: that is rude <laughs> i hate it <laughs>
0: <laughs> but the kremlin saw women in space as a bomb propaganda move and they were in <laughs> they're just like they're never gonna miss out on an opportunity to be like hey america <laughs> we beat you at something so they saw any achievement any milestone as dominance in the space industry and of course it's a space race they're gonna they're gonna decide to strike first So when it was finally approved by Soviet leadership, more than 800 women applied for the job. 58 were formally considered, but only 23 candidates were selected for advanced medical screening in Moscow. And this is fun. The ideal female cosmonaut candidate was younger than 30, so I'm already out, Yep. (laughs) shorter than 5.5 feet, so out again, (laughs) and no heavier than 154 pounds. So three strikes. I got nothing. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I'm I'm so out.
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm a little hurt. Like I have no chance. Not that I want to go to space, but like, at yeah. sort least of the opportunity to say no. Yeah. You no. Know?
1: Because <laughs> you're even too tall for it, right? What was it? You're even five, too 55. Uh, five, five.
2: Five? Yeah, I had to, I couldn't remember <laughs> if I was five four or five six. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm too tall. I really had to think about it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and well, I'll get into it a little bit why this is important because they were small, the the little capsules that they were in yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm a giant, I'm six feet. So I even I'm as a child. Oh yay. So like I wasn't even allowed to be in like ball pits as a kid because they're like, you're older than you say you are. So I've just always been just rejected <laughs> because of my height that I hate. No. All right. So I, like, I kicked out a ball. <laughs> and then i went to this thing a couple of, like last month there was a social distance art gallery and they had an adult ball pit and i was like oh man but they won't let you in it because of covid so i'm like reject it again no never been in a ball pit <laughs> <laughs> such a weird thing okay so um <laughs> oh where was I okay so a degree was a plus but you didn't have to have one and there was more attention actually paid to skills to perform your duties than actually any kind of training so male candidates were selected from a pool of test pilots but this career path was unavailable to women at the time so they tried to find women that had related qualifications so in the post-war years they could find female aviators that had served during world war ii but they were all too old at this time so they were like next instead of being like hey maybe we should just move the age up they were like no 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 we need young
1: ladies funny because astronauts today like the average age I think is like in their 40s late 30s is the youngest so yeah Yeah. (laughs)
0: wild because of the small pool of qualified candidates they started looking at the local skydiving clubs and skydiving was super relevant because at this time the only way to land was to eject them out of the pod. And they parachuted down. So at this time, (laughs) the little pod things couldn't land with people in them. So parachuting came in handy.
1: Uh. no Uh, space travel
0: was super scary back then and i don't know why anybody agreed to do this (laughs) so those finalists were sent to the health screenings in january of 1962 and they followed the exact same protocols as the men did so they went through x-rays they studied their brain functions they ran blood and heart tests and then they did the centrifuge training (laughs) The little thingy. To oh, yeah, your- that that's where it, what, I would be done. Mm. I mean, if I even ever could make
2: it that far like that. Nope.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they like a bunch of the women that made it this far talked about the pressure, but they're like, I'm tiny. And that weight, because it was like a mm. thousand pounds of squishing you because, yeah. you know, 1960s, <laughs> like, this could not have been safe.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: so then they also put them through like the zero gravity simulations and all that so mm-hmm. out of all that i think it was 58 is what i said only five women were selected and oh lord okay i'm gonna try to do this okay zana yorkina maybe kind of i don't know I what is it Russian. in russia <laughs> okay i'll say kina that's my name yorkina irana Solovoya, tatiana Tosova, valentina Pono ponomareva and then our girl valentina So they were all told that they were going to fly one day. So they get in, they're ready to train. They're all told they're going to go to space and they're all super pumped about it. But also, can you imagine being like, yay, I'm doing it. And then having to walk into an all male field that is just starting like space exploration is just a baby. I'd be terrified, but they were all pumped and two kinds of people, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, these are the same
2: people who aren't terrified to parachute 20,000 feet. Yeah, you know, so I like
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> and Valentina was actually the only one in that group that had no flying experience whatsoever, she was just a parachuter. And her selection was based mostly on that, but also the propaganda aspect because her father was a war hero and her mom was, you know. They put it as like a proletariat woman working in the factories, so they Mm -hmm. liked her background because it showed her, you know, growing up from nothing and becoming Mm -hmm. a huge hero for Russia. Mm -hmm. So the first female space flight was originally planned to be a group mission, and they wanted two women simultaneously to pilot twin spacecrafts into orbit. And this mission kept changing, and the dates kept changing. And then at one point, they weren't even sure the spacecrafts were going to be done in time. And then in April of 1963, the plan was a go but they decided they were going to switch out one of the women for a man so that was valerie bikowski and there was one spot left for a lady so they start doing some more intense training to try to figure out which one is going to make it so they do a lot of tests physical emotional moral so (laughs) there was one lady that i guess smoked and they were like you're out that's morally horrific you cannot smoke. And so they're trying to find the person that's going to be the most fit to do it. But also the person that's going to look the best. Because propaganda. <laughs> <laughs> Basically everything in a story comes down to the propaganda. It's cold. Yeah. 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 So eventually they decided that Valentina would fly. And then Pona Moreva and Solovoya were going to be her alternates. And Tereskova was not allowed to confide in any of her family members. This whole time they thought she was at some summer camp thing to be like military nobody knew what she was <laughs> doing and no one in her life knew what was happening until moscow announced it to the entire world so her mom didn't even know she was a parachuter now she's going to
1: space <laughs> <laughs> Big shock.
0: holy cow so launch day was june 16th 1963 and tereskova looked confident as she walked to her spacecraft which was the vostok 6 and they noted that her heart rate was 140 beats a minute, which my guess is probably adrenaline. But oh, everything yeah. was on camera. And they're like, she just looks so ready for this. There was a quote. She was well prepared for the flight. She will not only be flying in space, but piloting the spacecraft in the same fashion as a man. When she lands, we will compare <laughs> who is better at completing their tasks, said Yuri Gangarin. He was one of the, the first guy in space. So he's like, she knows it. We're going to compare everything she does so there had there been a no pressure no pressure at all i just i can't imagine she had to have known that every eye in the world was on her at that moment if she made any mistake then that would be yeah. the end of women in space forever <laughs> that's just <sighs> uh, yeah i would crumble <laughs> crumble under pressure and this has nothing to do with this but i just thought it was fun fact so this guy I can was The first man to go into space. And he inadvertently started this strange luck tradition. So when he got suited up for the first time, they were busing him out to the launch pad. He realized, I got to pee. So he peed on a bus tire. And ever since then, everybody's thought that's a good luck charm. And every cosmonaut would follow to pee on the bus tire, including Tereskova. She squatted down and peed on the tire before she got on the launch pad. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and the the site that i was on it was like space.org or whatever it says that it's a tradition that has remained unbroken so <laughs> huh, if that is true that means even today they're peeing on that bus tire before they go up into space and i just find that hilarious that's awesome, awesome. <laughs> and she also chose her radio call sign to be seagull oh <laughs> <laughs> She's ready to roll. She got a crawl sign. She peed on a tire. And now she lifted off from Tiratom Launch Center and it remained in space for 70.8 hours. That is a long time. That is 48 times around the Earth. Jeez. So she spent more time in space than all of the American Mercury astronauts combined. Holy cow. As the first woman, too. That is just. Bonkers, yeah. And this was a quote from her: "The light of the moon on the dark side of the Earth was lovely. Zero G was pleasant. No problems. I enjoyed floating. <laughs> okay. a matter of fact, her space flight was broadcasted on television and watched by citizens in the Soviet Union and Europe." Because America was like, nope, we ain't doing that. (laughs) And the mission was instrumental for acquiring more data on the medical studies on humans and spaceflight. And she also took photographs of the horizon that was later used to identify aerosol layers of the atmosphere.
1: Cool.
0: Huge. Yeah. I can't believe that I've never heard of her. Neither am I. Yeah, that's crazy. (sighs) So the Vostok 6 reentered the Earth's atmosphere on June 19th, and Tereshkova parachuted to the ground from 20,000 feet, and she landed (laughs) safely, but the wind caught her, and she got a little bump, some bruises on the way down, but she was fine. And she became the first woman in space, the first woman to orbit in space, the youngest woman ever to go to space, even to this day, because she was 26.
1: That... (laughs) I have done nothing. (laughs) (laughs) What have I I done with my life?
0: (laughs) I am 36 and I have done nothing. I have a podcast. That's the crowning achievement. She, yeah, she just mic drops it at 26. What I mean. Mm -hmm. But not everybody was happy with her Hmm. space flying. So, Soviet chief designer Sergei Korolev was reportedly unhappy with her performance and claimed. She was, quote, on the edge of psychological instability, end quote, during her flight, Oh,
2: gosh, here we go.
0: Hysterical was thrown around a lot. Some <laughs> started a rumor that she had to be strapped in against her will. And all that seems to be a lot of negative propaganda because people didn't want women in space. Yeah. So it kind of depends on the sources you look at. at She was a parachuter. She wasn't afraid to hide. She wasn't afraid of any of that she was down so and it doesn't seem like you go through eight months of intense training of being tortured as zero g (laughs) to be like no i don't want to do it (laughs) yeah really it just doesn't it doesn't check out to me Mm -mm. and so throughout the duration of her flight she kept telling mission control that she felt okay by the third day in orbit it became clear that she was trying to hide her exhaustion but again she's a woman who knows she's being judged under a microscope, any sign of being tired would be seen as women are too weak to be in space. Mm-hmm. Right. So, of course, she was going to hide that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she unexpectedly fell asleep and missed one call from Earth. And they were like, oh, no, she failed the mission. She didn't do what she was supposed to, which is bullshit. She did. And <laughs> she felt constantly nauseous. She vomited a couple of times, lost her appetite because probably Aww. the nausea. And Yeah. Some people said she failed to perform any of the scientific experiments, which is not true because she's noted as, you know, completing all these experiments in space. So that's bullshit, too. Yeah. Another thing, the capsule that they're in is two meters, which is six and a half feet. So that had been miserable, too. It had been hot, cramped, yeah. just gross. And of course, you're going to be nauseous. Like yeah. I just mm-mm. they need to give her a little, little bit of a break. So Tereshkova returned to Earth unconscious after ejecting the spacecraft. And she was actually found by local villagers and they helped her get out of her outfit, her suit. And they actually gave her some food and kind of gave her something to kind of, you know. Put a little pep in her step, I guess. Mm-hmm. But then the government was pissed because that was against Soviet protocol to let other people take off this other thing. But what happened was, like, they didn't calculate the wind like they do now. Like, now they know. Like, if you're landing in this area, this gust could take you here. They couldn't find her fast enough. So yeah. she's just supposed to sit there in that stupid-ass suit in freaking Siberia and wait for them. <laughs> like, she needed dinner. Just leave her alone. <laughs> <laughs> so there's difference quotes and nobody knows if this was said for sure but korlev was said to have either said quote no more bitches in space or no more women in space after this and there were the the no more bitches came from the smithsonian so i was like (gasps) well that's a pretty you know good horse so he was mad and There's some really interesting observations. So the Smithsonian said that he himself had dreamed his whole life of going to space, but he never met the health requirements because he spent years in Stalin's prison camps. So he was hoping for a day where spacecrafts and rockets would become reliable enough where he could go in his health, but he knew it wasn't going to happen. So his comments might have just been out of frustration because it showed how hard that could be on somebody's health that was perfectly healthy. Mm -hmm. She was an elite, you know. Mm -hmm. athlete and everything so he probably was having a really bad day and was like oh fuck women so (laughs) (laughs) but they said like none of the five women who trained ever spoke ill of him even when he was spouting this bullshit off Hmm. so it kind of seems like maybe just a bad day and her fellow trainees all came to her aid too saying that They disagreed with any criticism. Valentina Ponomareva said, quote, I have no doubt she did all she needed to accomplish because we need to learn how a human being would feel in orbit. The first six cosmonauts didn't have any of the goals that would be important about this. All scientific experiments in orbit were also important, but they were not crucial. So they're like, even if she missed one, that wasn't the thing that she was supposed to be doing. That was an extra thing. Yeah. And, and Valentina herself retorted, quote, I felt fine after 24 hours and I asked the state commission to prolong my stay in space to three days and I carried out the entire schedule. Could I have done that if I was half dead? <laughs> 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 it was, it was fun. And then interestingly, like the facts of this mission were actually classified for a really long time. Huh. And There were some things that happened that are super cool. So on the first day, the ship's autopilot mistakenly steered away from Earth, leaving her facing the prospect of being lost in space. No, That part's (laughs) not cool. But the cool part is she said, quote, it was programmed to raise the orbit, she told reporters, but the new data I put in, it worked fine. Error was corrected. So immediately she put everything into manual, fixed the correction, and was safe. But she was told... By the chief constructor Sergei Korolov To never speak of it Because he didn't want people to think that his aircraft Was faulty oh. So for 30 years she had to keep the secret That she saved the mission When people yeah. are saying that she ruined it I wouldn't have The patience <laughs> <laughs> or, or the self control To be like fuck you right. Yeah really You almost killed me I saved it No <laughs> So during reentry, the autopilot went out again, and that's why they didn't have communication, and that's why she ended up so far away and they couldn't find her. That was also his fault, but yeah. they were like, "Oh, you didn't land where you're supposed to." <laughs> yeah, I didn't have autopilot, and there's a thing called wind. Oh, this, I hate how history treats women. It makes me so mad, <laughs> so mm-hmm. mad. So da-da-da-da. okay, there were some things that the other guy. They were like, oh, he heard her crying. But then when they released all the classified stuff, they said that when their ships got close enough, they were singing songs. They were you know, mm-hmm. laughing. They're having a good time. So it seems like it was just a bunch of bullshit. Mm hmm. And now we know that women are more likely to feel sick when they're in space and men are more likely to get reentry sickness. So hmm. now we know that women and men do deal with space differently. And it wasn't a weakness on her part that men when hmm. they really came home got sick. And men also have more problems with their vision and hearing when they get back and women don't. Huh? Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So. Weird. <laughs> that was a yeah, that was a new study I saw that's most recent that they've been studying the differences. Huh. Well, that was pretty cool. Because uh, she, she shouldn't get awesome. judged because fucking science. <laughs> <There's> nothing wrong. <laughs> so the rest of the female space unit continued to prepare for their next flight, trusting that Korolev's word that they'd all go to space. Another not-so-fun fact, they were prohibited from getting pregnant during this time, Aww. and Yorkina broke this agreement, and as a punishment, a military rank granted to all the female trainees after they graduated was taken from her. Like, how dare you get pregnant? Yeah. No more space travel for you. So Kemeny tried to talk Korlov into the idea of the female flight group, but essentially they've already done everything they need to do. They got the propaganda, they got the news, the press, the tours. They had no more value. So mm-hmm. ultimately, it was another 19 years before another woman went into wow. outer space, and that was Svetlana Savitskaya. Hmm. Oh, Russian names are so cool, but <laughs> really hard to say. <laughs> So, Korlev would die in 1966, and the next two years would bring the death of two more cosmonauts, one from a failed parachute and the other from a fatal crash during a routine training flight. Oh, no. And all <laughs> these incidents put a real big break on the whole space program. Yeah. And then the female unit was completely dismissed by 1969, and it wouldn't be reinstituted until
1: 1980. Wow. Wow.
0: That is just insane. After their dismissal from the space squad, each of the women received their own apartment from the government, which I guess (laughs) is kind of nice. And every single one of them married a fellow cosmonaut. Hmm. So that's interesting, too. I guess if you're working closely with these people, you know, and you're not allowed to talk about what you're doing, you probably (laughs) have no time to meet anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. So Val applied to the new Soviet training program in 1978, but was denied because her age, even though she passed all the health tests and everything. So she tried desperately to go back to space. It just didn't, yeah. just didn't happen. She married Andrea Nikolaev on November 3rd, 1963. He was the third cosmonaut to go to space. So that's hmm. kind of cool. And Nikita Khrushchev, who was the leader of the Soviet Union, actually attended their wedding. So it was like a big Celebrity big deal. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> like, no big deal. And then a year later, their daughter was born. And the cool thing about it is it was the first child ever where both parents had went to space. So That was cool. They kind of studied her a little, like, medical mm-hmm. interest. Be like, is there any difference? Whatever. And she actually grew up to become a doctor. So that was pretty cool. And she eventually divorced that guy. They apparently hated each other. And then she... <laughs> She ended up marrying one of the doctors that was doing all her health tests later on. And then they were married till he died. There you go. After her mission, Valentina was asked what the Soviet Union could do for her. And she said, hey, go find out where my dad died and put like a plaque there or something. So they actually went and put a monument in Finland. And she actually visited it quite often. So I thought that was kind of sweet. Yeah, Really? today because she's still alive i think this is the first person i've ever done that's still alive sweet (laughs) (laughs) so if i butchered your stuff i'm sorry okay so she doesn't like to talk to the press very much and she doesn't make that many public remarks little is known about her life except that she's involved with charities and supports a lot of orphanages and she's really into politics she's really into communism (laughs) and in one rare interview that was Close to like the 50th anniversary of this whole thing, she said that Mars is her favorite planet and it's her dream to get there to learn if life has ever existed on Mars. Aww. And if it did, why did it disappear? And she's like, I don't care, I'm 70, I'm going. <laughs> <laughs> it was really cute. And then they asked her what she thought about travel to space, you know, like civilian people. And uh-huh. she's like, I, I don't like that. And we shouldn't do that. So I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> and she says she's very enthusiastic about space travel and hopes people continue to go but she's very concerned about asteroids <laughs> and she said people shouldn't waste money on wars but come together to discuss how to defend the world from threats like asteroids coming from outer space which is a valid point yeah you know?
1: yeah. yeah i mean we can't even come together to defend the world from a virus so yeah
0: <laughs> it's, not, it's not looking good <laughs> Nope. So again, she's really into the Communist Party. She represented the Soviet government on numerous occasions. They kind of paraded around the world for a long time. She is the head of a lot of organizations and does a lot of work for women. Some of achievements include <clears throat> graduating with distinction from the Zhukovsky Military Air Academy, member of the World Peace Council in 1966, member of the Yaroslavl Supreme Soviet in 1967, member of the Council of Union of the Supreme Soviet. I don't know what any of this means, but it sounds <laughs> impressive. 1966 to 1974, elected to the Presidium of the so- Supreme Soviet in 1974, Soviet representative to the UN Conference for the International Women's Year in Mexico City in 1975. In 1977, she earned a doctorate in aeronautical engineering. Hmm. That sounds really impressive. She was rank of deputy to the Supreme Soviet, member of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union Central Committee, vice president of the International Women's Democratic Federation, president of the Soviet Algerian Friendship Society. She was named hero of the Soviet Union and twice awarded the Order of Lenin. She received the United Nations Gold Medal of Peace. She was honorarily inducted into the Air Force so she could join the Cosmonaut Corps, and she obtained the rank of Major General by her 1997 retirement. There's a little more. In October 2000, <laughs> she was named Greatest Woman Achiever of the Century by the International Women of Pure Association. Wow. Erskova Crater is, was named after her on the moon, and then Asteroid 1671 is named Seagull after her call sign. Oh, <gasps> Oh, cool. Aww. She toured the world. She met Fidel Castro, (laughs) Queen Elizabeth II. They were both pregnant at the time, so that's a little fun fact. And she was regarded as, quote, feminist standard bearer, bringing the message of hope for enslaved Indian womanhood in India. Wow. She remains the only woman ever to have a solo space flight. So that's impressive. She was the youngest woman to this day to ever go to space. And at the opening ceremony of the 2014 Winter Olympics, she was the bearer of the Olympic flag and a torchbearer. Huh. So Well, I'm feeling very that, yeah. insignificant now. <laughs> <laughs> and this is only her space career. Yeah. Mostly. So now it's going to take a little turn. <laughs> she, <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> she, she is still revered as a Russian heroine and many of her countrymen, her importance in Russian history is second only to Yuri Gagarin, who was the first one. In 2011, she was elected to the National State Duma in the United Russia Party and then re-elected in 2016. But in 2013, there were two online petitions launched against her. (laughs) One, because they wanted to name a street after her. That one's really nice. And the other was asking for one of her honor titles to be revoked. Because she was a staunch backer of Putin who had been a a lawmaker in the lower chamber of parliament since 2011. And she introduced the amendment that allows Putin to ignore the current constitutional limits and run for president again (gasps) in 2024. So she is the person that is essentially making sure that he will spend life
1: in office. (laughs) Wow. Wow so took a turn right (laughs) yeah she's all in on (laughs) yeah
0: so a lot of people applaud her yeah but some people are accusing her of making sure he stays in power for life yeah yeah Yeah. so So she's
1: complicated
0: she is a complicated woman and i feel like she's always been super into politics like she yeah but she's also been an instrument for propaganda her whole life so i can't imagine i, I mean if that's all you've ever known <laughs> right yeah right I, huh. I, I, yeah, there was videos like her 70th birthday she was invited to his house and he did this nice speech about her and stuff wow
1: but,
0: yeah there you so go. yeah so you know some people which I also find interesting because a lot of time you don't see a whole lot on the internet about opposition to Putin. Mm-hmm. So that was really interesting that they mm-hmm. kind of yeah. went after her. But it had mm-hmm. like 80,000 signatures.
1: Wow. Like, That's
0: a lot. Yeah. You know, again, I'm incredibly ignorant about, you know, the status of Russia because uh, yeah. we don't really hear about it, a lot of it here. Right. Um, yeah. For the most part. it's Like it's not in our news. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of the whole censorship thing. Like they yeah. don't let it come right. out. Right. So I was very interested to see the opposition to her for that. Yeah. 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 Again, like she's a hero and she's got a stamp. She's <laughs> got like all these exhibits and yeah. she's in Europe they had exhibits in like England and stuff. So she's pretty well known in Europe from what it sounds like. But in the US, I have never
1: heard of her. Hmm. Yeah, no, I have mm-hmm. yeah, no okay. idea. <laughs> but to be I the youngest. Like I feel like I, I think I've seen season three of Orange is the New Black and I have no memory of it <laughs> being mentioned. <laughs> no memory.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just she seems incredible. I mean, yeah, for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm not judging her Russia politics. I don't know a whole lot about it, but again, took a little, a little turn, but still. I yeah. think that she's I think she's probably both. I think she's an inspiration. She's a hero for Russia. A hero for just space exploration. Yeah. But also just she's been an instrument for propaganda and I'm sure she did it most mostly willingly. But I mean when you're twenty six and your whole job is to do what they tell you. I mean how yeah, much right. is really her and how much what they wanted her to do.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But, but uh <laughs> She's had an incredible life. I mean, she's still alive. She's 80-something now. Ooh, yeah. Very big fly. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you saw that, but it just died on my head. <laughs> but yeah, they say she's pretty quiet. Like, she does politics stuff now, but like mm-hmm. for the most that's part, awesome. she just hangs out. And she did a bunch of press for the 50th anniversary, but other than that, but she still wants to go to Mars. Good on her. I <laughs> there you go. There, right. you go. there you go.
1: Yeah.
0: Imagine <laughs> the autopilot going out when you're in space for the first time. And then your first thought is, like, I don't want to go back.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like, no, I tried that once. Yeah.
0: If something Fine. broke, I'd be like, never again. never." never. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, now the first all female um, crew is going to be on the Artemis and go to the moon. So
0: Oh, that's cool. Yeah, and we just had the first all-woman spacewalk well, mm-hmm. last year. Was it last year or the year before? I can't remember.
1: Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah. There lots, you go. Of the, lots of stuff happening. That's it's
1: a- been a while, but.
0: <sighs> I know. And I did <laughs> see that when Sally Ride was getting ready to go, mm-hmm. the, the press was really critical saying things like, oh, is her body going to be able to handle it and blah, blah, blah. And she actually spoke out and was like, this is a bunch of sexist bullshit. Stop it. So she offended her, you know, even being such a, I mean, even in the 80s, you know, the U.S. and Russia still weren't
1: friendly,
0: but for her to be like, no, let her go. (laughs) Yeah. It's pretty cool, I think. I mean, I'm sure that's like an experience no other person would understand. So she probably felt some sort of kindred spirit with her. (laughs) (laughs) Finally, another one, another woman. (laughs) Yeah, Sally Ride was like 1983, right? 19- it was the 80s. I don't know. I, yeah. but it was definitely
1: the 80s, yeah, yeah, but I can't remember what year. It just
0: blows my mind because, like I said, it, here in the US, they talk about her, but I yeah
1: know, Two yeah, decades.
0: Mind yeah. blown. <laughs> Man, well, thank you guys for joining me to geek out about space. And Yeah, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Kind of give me nightmares <laughs> that I'm probably going to have. Sorry.
1: <laughs> it's floating in the vastness of space. Yay. <laughs> Yeah the, yeah. the dark forest thing, I was like, I'm not living with this alone.
0: I had <laughs> never thought of that. That's like every scary movie. The aliens are here to steal our shit.
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Probably why they're not here because they don't want it, because we've ruined it all.
1: Well, <laughs> that's one strategy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. You know our water, it's polluted. Screw it up
1: before they can get here. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well,
0: everybody let us know your thoughts on aliens are you yeah are you pro-alien or are you uh, we're alone in this world or this entire universe and <laughs> other yeah and <laughs> constant fastness? Oh. <laughs> either one is freaky it is Now nobody said that i'm like why would we be alone why would it be us that's worse i think oh yeah it's definitely worse that's so yeah <laughs> oh my god I'm going to go (laughs) screech at my husband. Be like, oh my God.
1: (laughs) What (laughs) did I hear?
0: Uh, I I. You guys, I always love having you here, and you can come back yeah, anytime. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> right. I want to thank my guests again, Megan and Paige, for joining me for Space Part One. I had such an amazing time, even though you did fill me with a lot of anxiety and existential dread about the vastness of space and the idea that we might possibly be alone in this enormous, brain-shatteringly sh- large universe. So that's fun. Everybody should go check out their podcast. Again, that's Spooky Science Sisters. You can find it on all major podcasting platforms. And definitely go check out their TikTok. It is so well done. So interesting. And Megan actually did a space series after we recorded this. So highly recommend 10 out of 10. If you'd like to watch this video in all its blooper-filled deleted scene glory, you can do that on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash historicalafpod. And there's a lot of really exciting things coming to Patreon, like we're doing a Christmas in July gift exchange. You will get a Secret Santa situation, and we've kept it under $30. It's always been so much fun. Highly recommend that it's available to all tiers. And also, I know I've mentioned it probably a thousand times that I bought a crown, and then I bought another crown, and I like wearing it because it makes me feel powerful. Well... And then a lot of other Patreon fam started getting them and now a lot of us have them. So we're going to start doing a crowned tea party over Zoom at the end of the month. So it'll be the last Saturday, Sunday of the month. And we're going to do one in the morning and one at night. That way, Patreon fam in other countries can join because you know time zones and all that so details are coming on which is which which will be morning which will be night and all it is we're just gonna get dressed up wear crowns drink tea and just hang out it's gonna be fun i can't wait and speaking of patreon i have some shout outs this week first of all I want to thank Casey for joining Patreon. You guys know her. She is one half of Encyclopedia Obscura. You know, at the end of that episode, I wasn't lying when I said that they're my new best friends. And I am so excited that Casey has joined the fam. You are a delight And I'm just so excited for the support, and I hope that you feel as supported, friends, because you are incredible, and your podcast is incredible, and everybody should go listen. And you know what? They're going to come back soon. Spoiler alert. And last but definitely not least, I want to shout out Megan P. Megan, thank you so much for joining the Patreon family. When you joined, you sent me the kindest, sweetest email, and I can't tell you how much that meant, it's not a secret that I, I have been struggling, you know, losing Amber, who is a dear friend and a huge part of the Patreon was really difficult. And then on top of that, there's just been a lot of extra stress in my life. And I have been getting discouraged. You know, I, I am a one woman show. You know, I, I do all the editing. I do all the social media. I do, you know, research and everything. And some days I feel really exhausted and then I feel really discouraged and you sent an email that talked about how this podcast helped you get through some really bad days and it got your mind out of some dark places and it helped your mental health and that you've listened probably twice now to every episode and now you have all these fun facts you're telling people and it really just it meant so much to me I can't wait to get to know you more. And the fact that you have a fur baby named Google is the coolest fact ever. And now every time I say to the Google machine, I'm going to think you're your little, your fluffy boy. So if you'd like to join the Patreon fam and help support the podcast and keep this bad boy going, that is patreon.com slash historical pod. If you'd like to buy merch, that is shop.spreadshirt.com slash historicalafpod. And there is some specials coming up. 15% this week, I believe. So definitely go check that out. You can follow the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at historicalafpod. And that's where a lot of the discounts and stuff will be announced. Also, if you'd like to follow me on the Tiki Talkie, it's at Keena Leanne on there. Then finally, I need your stories for the next extra episode, so if you have a cool historical nugget you want to share, an experience on the eerie side, on the morbid side, on the weird, funny, you know the drill. Send that to historicalafpod at gmail.com. And again, if you have any business or podcast or you sell something, add that to your emails. That way I can shout you guys out and, you know, shamelessly plug you. That sounded weird. All right, my friends, thank you so much for listening. I will see you next week for Space Part 2 with special guest hashtag history. Okay, bye.